0: What's going on? Welcome to Project Freelance. It's time for another episode. This is season eight of the show, and I am your host, Kay Inagonio. I am a freelance videographer, photographer, drone pilot. I'm a metal screamer. I explore abandoned places, but mostly I freelance. That's what I do for a living, and this podcast is all about freelancing. I have guests on every single week. To chat with you about their tips and tricks for building a business as a freelancer, whether they're a photographer, audio engineer, NFT artist, entrepreneur of any kind, this is the podcast that you have been looking for. So thank you for tuning in. If you're brand new, please hit the subscribe button so you're... You're notified every single monday when a new episode comes out if you guys actually want to see my guests photos and listen to this podcast at the same time there is a video version of this podcast on the project freelance youtube channel so if you guys head over there subscribe and check out the podcast you can watch you can watch this episode it's awesome i love it before we get into this episode with spawn zone who is a photographer based out of los angeles I just have to give you guys a little bit of information about the show, about myself. First of all, this is Project Freelance. We've been doing this show since 2017, and we are now on season eight. If you guys want to go back and check out previous episodes, please do so. If you like the show at any point in time, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give a rating and feedback on the show. It helps the podcast grow. It helps us find other freelancers just like you. And if you do that, take a screenshot of it and send it to me at Project Freelance on Instagram or Twitter, and I will send you a signed photo print that I have taken as a way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Secondly, I have a photography book out called No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary. It's full of photos and stories of my time exploring abandoned places, which is what I do when I'm not freelancing. So if you guys want to check that out, if you guys want to get some uh, No Tracers merchandise, backpacks, duffel bags snapbacks things like that photo prints head to just the slash no tracers thank you guys lastly i need to thank our partner on this podcast liquid death mountain water if you've never heard of it well get ready to murder your thirst in three two one from the streams of the austrian alps comes a new kind of water a water that is sure to raise you from your grave if you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid Death, murder your thirst. So, if you want to give Liquid Death a try and get 10% off your order, hit the link in the description or go to liquiddeath.com, pick up a case or however many cases of water you want, a set of koozies, and use code just the letter k at checkout and you'll get that 10% off. All right, without further ado, Spawn Zone, please introduce yourself and how long you've been freelancing and what you do as a freelancer to the Project Freelance audience. Welcome to the show.
1: So uh, my name is James Gross. I'm based in Los Angeles, California. I'm a freelance photographer videographer, and I got my start back. Well, I've been shooting for upcoming now 14 years, but uh, professionally like in the EDM industry since 2016. And um, yeah, I'm just, I, I prefer to be freelance. You don't have to, you know, worry about being too tied down to one company. You can kind of float around. Uh, get more opportunities, and um, you know, I've shot for lots of different brands, artists, um, uh, event companies, shot at multiple festivals, and I've, I've traveled a pretty good bit with my camera. Um, so, yeah, I just do uh, photo and video uh, pretty occasionally now since I, I do focus more on my other ventures. I, I do management as well and event curation, um, but since you know we're open post-COVID, things have been picking up, so...
0: Nice, so what inspired you to first pick up a camera? Like, when when did you do that? When did you get into photography and what was your first camera?
1: Uh, so I got started back in when I was 16. Um, my father gave me his old Minolta film camera. And um, back at the time, I was kind of getting a lot of trouble. I was definitely a troublemaker maker back in high school and college. And um, he, he gave me that, I think kind of in hopes that I would kind of stay busy and occupied. Um so I took uh, a year of uh photography class in high school, my, my sophomore year, and uh it was one of the classes that I was pretty proficient in, so it kind of like stuck with me. Um I kind of just kept growing with it, kinda of got addicted to shooting and then um as I got older, you know, partying and stuff in high school, I uh was essentially like the guy in high school with a camera, so I always had it at parties and like when I was hanging out with friends and I would go out and uh, we'd do like urban decay, so like uh, you know abandoned buildings and urban exploration, all, all that. So we would just go out, take photos, take some portraits, and um, I didn't really get super serious about it until um, I was like twenty, and then um, after that, after I kind of fell in love with it in high school, I ended up uh, my my father got me a Canon Rebel T one, I believe, and then. I later on got a t3i which they're both cropped nice little starter cameras and i've been shooting with canons ever since um i'm definitely like a, a canon uh fanboy for sure but um yeah just been uh, with uh minota film cameras and, and canon dslrs pretty much my whole career
0: nice it's crazy uh to talk about like urban exploring so i have another podcast called no tracers and it's all about exploring abandoned places i re- interview people from all over the world that also explore and that's what i do in my pastime. and i really got into that when i moved to los angeles like i i went to a, a tfti photo meet and we ended up like somehow talking about you know exploring abandoned places and i ended up finding like a, a little crew to run around with and it's been super cool to like do that over the years. And I, I love abandoned stuff. So it's, it's interesting that you, you brought that up as well. Um, and it's, it's dope that you shoot on film. A lot of photographers start out on digital and they stay there. And like for myself as a videographer, I studied in Dubai and Australia uh, cause I was like growing up overseas and stuff. So I studied film and have a bachelor's in film production and we didn't get to use film cause in Australia, it was so expensive to transport it to the other side of the country to get it developed and send it back. So like, we just didn't do it. So I feel like I missed out on the opportunity to like learn film, to learn that medium. Um, do you have a preference shooting film or digital? Like do, do you prefer one or the other? Oh,
1: that's a good question. Um, I mean, for non-work related stuff, I do prefer film. Um, and I always recommend it because I, I do have like, into level little photographer is approaching me on how to get started or kind of different tricks and i always recommend starting with film because it it forces you to be picky about the shot um you know you're not going to be so wasteful you know digital camera always has you know it's different pros and cons you can you know do continuous shots you can review it on site and things like that but i do really enjoy like the kind of like surprise because you know you go ahead and take it to like a photo, like a development studio, and, and they develop it. And, you know, it's a few days later or a week later or a month, you know, however long it takes you to kind of get around to it. And then sometimes you you find photos, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember taking this. And it's just kind of cool. Um, just the way that the colors are, just like the whole process kind of, um, I don't know. It's just really cool to kind of go back to my roots. So um, when it, when I do like solo like landscape trips, like up the Mountains, I'll, I'll bring a film camera with me as well. Um, but yeah, I I just always recommend doing film because it, it really forces you to care more about the shot and kind of calculate it a little more. And, um, yeah, it's just a really good way for photographers to kind of sharpen their tool with framing and everything.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I highly recommend everyone at least try, you know, try to shoot on film at least once because it's an experience, you know, you don't get 30 what Sony, Sony's new camera does like. I think it's like 30 frames a second or so I don't even know, but it's something ridiculous. And I think that shooting on film, you only have like a certain amount of shots. And so you can't just like burst, you know? So I think it's a different way of, it it kind of slows you down a little bit as a photographer.
1: Yeah. You're more in the moment, I feel like. And um, yeah, it's just, it's really fun to kind of go back to like the old school methods of how people were shooting because obviously over time with computers and editing it's definitely shaped photography in a different way where it's more of a digital medium um i'm still kind of old school in terms of photography where like i believe that 90 percent to 95 percent of the shot should be straight off the camera so like how you are shooting it um i don't really spend too much editing I, I only really use lightroom um i will use like photoshop if i'm doing like you know like more high-end portraits um you know take care of the blemishes and things like that but I prefer to just kind of do like the old school run-and-gun style and, um, just essentially have the image be finalized. Uh, you know, when you upload to your computer, just little minor tweaking on the colors.
0: Yeah. I'm the same way as far as like editing goes. Like I have, I'll have people ask me to do photo shoots and they'll be like, Oh, can you like edit out my cellulite or like whatever? And I'm like, that's, I don't no No, I'm not. That's not, I'm not the one. <laughs> I'm not the one you gotta find somebody else but that's just a personal preference of mine you know i i'm the same kind of way like i like it to be as straight out of the camera as possible similar to what you were just saying so as a freelancer when you first started what were your rates like you don't have to give me exact numbers but like what were your rates like versus now and how did you find your worth in the industry
1: Yeah, that's really good. So for the first, like I said, I started doing it more professionally in like 2015, 2016-ish. And with that, I would, you know, I didn't really have a portfolio. So um, I was lucky to kind of tag along with a couple photographers I'd met. And we went to Avalon and I did a free shoot. And then I ended up like meeting the guy who threw the event, like the event company owner. And uh, I started working with them for like a few months. Uh, I did like two or three shoots for them. And then they actually brought me on as like their first like residential official photographer who was paid. Uh, so back then, because I issued everything—portraits, weddings, uh, you know, uh, festivals—it's different price points for for different projects. But uh, I would say I did about in total like like three to six months of free work just to build my portfolio and, and show people the the level of work that would be getting. And uh, I started charging like, mm, around that time, like $50 for like portraits, just enough to, like, you know, gas there back or whatever it may be. And then for uh, like live event work, I think it was around the same price point. And then um, as I started getting better, more equipment, my name started getting bigger. Um, and I started like really getting into it and, and figuring out like what kind of output and general like, kind of like parameters for my clients. Cause they usually ask me like, you know, like, What's the turnaround time? How many images am I getting? And, and things like that. Um, I I have almost overproduced, so that's like one thing that I kind of got shit for a while back from some photographers which were more experienced than me, because they were like cooking, okay, I was like essentially tanking prices and like lowering the words, and it was actually kind of funny, like at the time I didn't really like understand like where they were coming from, but now that I'm like more experienced, like I definitely do see it. Um, but it also seems like time, it's like it's your business, so you can freely, you know, set the rates that you want. And that's how I got a lot of clients, was I was undercutting a lot of my, like, competitors. And then I was always delivering more images, quicker turnarounds, and it was just higher quality work. Uh, so I would say about like a year and a half shooting events, I uh, started bringing my rate up to so like $100 and $150, and like $200 shoot, and um, like $300 work. Uh, so I would say for myself, 16 until so now, my rates have gone up from $50 an hour to about 350. So I do about 350 for promo work, for like portraits and things like that. And then I do, uh, I I do have a little lower rate for events because it's not so much like pose stuff, and it's there's a like I'll, it's there's a lot less that needs to go into it because you're just arriving on site and taking images and floating around, um, you know. It's, portraits, you have to pose them in different locations and things like that. So uh, currently for my photos, I'm doing about two seventy-five an hour per, per set. Um, and then, of course, you can do like bundle deals and different ways to kind of draw clients in, uh, so I do like bundle packs. And I also like, for big companies, I'll do like tiered rates, so they book me for more hours, I'll lower the hourly rate, um, kind of throw some freebies and things like that. So there's like kind of different ways to... Do in terms of business, um, and I do like a couple services, get, I pair services together and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's taken me about like five years of being in the industry to get my rates up to the levels they are. And even now, I, I'm definitely still undercharging for the amount of work that I give and the quality. Um, so I do try to raise my rate like once or twice a year, about ten to twenty bucks per hour or more. Um, and you know, over time, it definitely does add up. So. Before the end of the year my rate for reports work will definitely be 400 dollars per hour
0: nice that's awesome like i love i love that you've found your your rate you know and i love that you continue to increase it based upon not only the work you do but the value you're giving to people i think that that's super important and you know a lot of A lot of new clients that probably come to you are probably like whoa 400 an hour like that's crazy like why would like why would i pay something like that but like to to realize the value you're getting out of a person that's creative and what you're getting like the product you're getting i think that you know it's i i compare it oftentimes because people will say the same thing to me about my rates like you know like oh i can find someone to do it cheaper and i'm like okay think about it this way if you go to a tattoo artist that charges you 50 an hour versus a tattoo artist that charges you 250 an hour which tattoo artist do you think is going to give you better work it's the same thing with photo video any type of freelancing audio production whatever it may be the higher the rate the the better the quality is going to be and so i think people need to realize that and it's it's something that's often overlooked um for you Have you ever, so this question, this is one of my favorite questions because I feel like it's inevitable to happen to all freelancers at least once. Have you ever been screwed over on a job, not paid for something, ghosted by a client, anything like that?
1: Yeah, actually on, uh, I believe like three different occasions. Um, It doesn't happen often, um, but it has happened to me in the last like two or three years. And I've had a pretty established name in, in this industry. Like during that time frame. So uh I did have a client, um and but me and were cool now, like he he apologized and we're on we're in good terms, but uh one of the most memorable ones was this client that I had. I did really, really great introductory rate, and that's what we will do too. Like you have to also level the client and explain to them like why the rates are a certain way. And uh I gave them a nice intro rate for photos and videos for an event. I got him over the content in their super timely manner. Like, I got him photos the next day, and then I got him a recap video within, like, four days, I believe. And um, he ended up, like, posting all the work up, yada, yada. Um, I believe he also given me a deposit. No, he didn't give me a deposit at the time. This was before I even started taking deposits, which is why I have them now. But um, did the work, gave him the content, he posted it up, and then I had followed up on you know, Payment for my work. And he, just gets, he didn't respond. I was like, okay, I'm going to give him some time. So, a week passes by, he him up again, nothing happens. And then, like, two or three weeks go by. I'm like, okay, this guy's clearly taking advantage of me. Um, obviously, he can post it without an issue, respond on things, but he has no time to at least let like, you know. I'm not even like a hard ass about it. Like, I understand that people go through, you know, advantage of you know, things. Obviously, you shouldn't hire someone who can't afford them, but that's a different topic. But um, you know, I'm very reasonable with my clients because I, I do understand they're not just getting a product; they're also getting a service. So I do treat my clients, you know, extremely well. I make sure, you know, communicative. Uh, you know, I, I do respond in a really timely, manner. I get the work done in, in a you know reasonable time, and I give them great rates for you know great amount of of content. So I realized this guy was going to see me, and um, I went ahead and I. Did a little name and shame on facebook because i have i think at the time i only had like thirty five hundred friends but now i'm like almost maxed out at 5k so i have a really good reach on facebook uh pretty good reach on instagram and uh, i posted up that and i even tagged him and i said uh i need to find this post actually but i said something along the lines of you know gave my client i gave one of my clients you know great work he hasn't responded to me he's obviously ghosting me he's not making he's not paying me and i think i finished up with like where's my money kind of thing, and then just like within an hour, I think there were like over a hundred comments, like five or six shares, and just like over a hundred reactions to the post, and everyone's just like literally roasting the dude like in the comments, like I, I just named him, but then like obviously I have a lot of you know, clients and friends and supporters, and they just went in on the guy, I kind of felt that, but um, uh, yeah, so I posted that that day, he was quick to respond and um, he actually was en- ended up paying me like, within a week of this happening. So he told me that he was going through some financial troubles, and I, I told him, like, I understand, like, I, I you know I'm not, like, hard pressed with money, but at least, like, communicate with me, you know? Like, and let me know, like, hey, two weeks, that's totally chill. I, I literally don't have an issue with that. But when people start, like, ghosting you and, you know, they're obviously, like, don't have an intention of paying you, that that's, like, when it becomes, like, a, a serious issue. So um, that was, like... I think that was actually, yeah, that was the last time um, that was about two years ago that anyone's uh, like done that to me. So it has happened on other occasions, but um, I did end up paying my money. Uh, like another time, I shot a C set at Exchange. Um, I was shooting an artist like two before the headliner and um, I would, got done shooting him and a manager came down to talk to me and said, like, Hey, like a photographer build on us. Like, can you do some photos and videos? And I think we wanted some like raws, just like some 30-second like raw clips, but I, I always color-grade them. So he, he asked me for content for their, for their artists since their guy builds. Obviously, you know, with that being said, like, they should pay you more money because you are coming in clutch and you're essentially like, you know, the emergency person, the situation, saving their day. Um, but I was like super chill. They gave me like, it was, even like, I think it was like $100 under what I usually charge. I was like, okay, cool. I mean, I could be saved for another hour, you know, make, make some more money, get some more content, make some more connections, that kind of thing. So I ended up shooting it, and then um, he uh, he asked me for the photos rushed, of course, and the videos, and I got him videos for 24 hours, and they didn't post it for, like, three or four days. I was like, okay, I got to do the constantly quick quick, like, whatever. And then um, same thing. I hit him up for payment. I sent him an invoice. He didn't talk to me for like literally weeks. And uh, at the time, I was actually uh, working as a debt collector. Um, so I'm able to like get people's information super easily. So I ended up um, finding out his address, and I just sent him a text. I was like, "Do I need to have my attorney uh, send you a letter at his address?" and immediately he responded he's like no no no, it's all good like my partner will pay for blah blah kind of thing so i was like okay i was like you know you can you can like communicate with me and then he tried pulling the card like oh well you can always like give me a call and literally like i, I i'm pretty like tactical with things so i told him like i do everything in writing so that it's documented so that you can show that it's been weeks that you haven't even tried to even contact me or you know send me some money it's it was all like $200, like, come on, man. Like, you're a manager for a good sized ADC, you you're managing the, 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 someone who's directed for a headliner. Like, it shouldn't be an issue. And, like, it's, I'm super chill. Like, even now, like, even for, like, all my all my clients, I only stress the deposit to make sure they lock it in. And then I told them, that if you need to take two, three weeks to give me the backend payment, that's totally fine. Like, that's why I work the hours that I do because I've been consistently having work coming in. And, yeah, like, I even had clients that like payment clients. Like I had them do like three dollars like every two weeks. Like I'm not stressing the money. I just want my I want them to give me the same level of respect that I give them.
0: Yeah. No. A hundred percent. It it's like it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around that, and I don't understand why. I have I've just literally this past week have been dealing with a client that. I thought was ghosting me but it turns out like their texts weren't going through or whatever because I'm the same way I like things in writing so that we have a documented exchange of everything that's going on but I guess their texts weren't going through so I had to call them and they were like yeah I sent you a text reply like letting you know your payment was on the way and I was like I never got that and like it was just like communicate with me you know like I have an email you could have emailed and I tried emailing them they didn't email me back so I was like what's going on here like you guys need to sort this stuff out it's It can be very frustrating when that happens, but, you know, I'm glad that those those situations mostly worked out for you i've definitely had times where people just flat out never paid me for the work i did you know and that was before i did things like take deposits and and have things in writing you know and just went by like their word over the phone and that's not always the best way we should definitely have contracts have things in writing things like that so for those challenges you face in the industry like what like how did you overcome some some challenges that you faced uh and this could be things like learning how to shoot live shows or, you know, learning how to shoot portraits better things like that. Like what are some challenges you've faced over the years of being a freelancer?
1: Mm, I think the biggest challenge I faced was just getting my foot in the door with some of these companies. Um, just like with that, it was just kind of lack of, uh, not really experience, but just portfolio. Um, because you know, I, had, I started doing it, you know, EDM wise in 2016 and, um, Sorry, my series coming up. Um, and then uh, I, I had a pretty small portfolio, but obviously, you know, if someone's hiring you to do a job, they want to make sure you can do it sufficiently. Um, so I, I, I would just say getting my foot in the door and, and building my name for myself was the hardest part. And that was just a ton of networking, just me going out as much as possible, trying to, you know, essentially get people to be, you know, have them be like my first client and then from there you know when you start delivering and making a name for yourself um people start coming back they start you know tagging you giving you more opportunities and from there i mean honestly once you have once you have a name once your portfolio it's, it's really easy to get in the door so that's how i've gotten you know other opportunities and that's why i love photography it's essentially like a portfolio of work like when you do a gig that opens more doors for you just because you did it. You have the, you know, the proof, you have it, the photos, you can, people can see, and the cool thing about photography is you can literally compare side to side. So you have, you know, a f- couple of different photographers who are looking for the same gig, you know, the client can easily pull up both of the pages, compare photos. And, um, you know, from there kind of figure out more of the back end in terms of pricing and how much work they're actually going to get. So yeah, definitely, um, getting my start was the hardest part because it's like, you have to have experience to get some of these gigs so just a lot of just going out and taking back then i didn't have a vehicle so just you know taking ubers to gigs And obviously that costs money sometimes i break even and uh, kind of getting my flow too and figuring out how i can be more effective as a content creator because it's, it changes from you know a hobby to an actual profession where you're making money from it and you take it super serious and that essentially becomes your livelihood And, you know, the more money that you do make, the more money you can invest back into your brand, you can get better equipment, you can, you know, and and that's great for your clients, too. They're benefiting as well. You know, you you have better lenses, a better, you know, camera body and things like that. You can do the job more effectively. So um, getting a foot in the door and becoming a better content creator were the two things that were hard. But that just comes, honestly, with time and experience and just putting the hours in. There's no better teacher, you know, for this craft than actually being hands on and learning and it's a very like uh reactive kind of craft because you know you you show up to like a, a nightclub and you know you can you can gauge how dark it is and what your settings need to be and you know how quickly you can react to things and there's just so many variables when it comes to live events you know light lights changing people moving it just being generally a dark setting um so you know your, your camera most cameras do kind of struggle uh you know when it's dark or in low light so it's just kind of getting in the groove and uh, figuring out like what my value was too. And when people started, you know, telling me that I needed to charge more for the amount of content I did, you know, it's kind of just like listening to other people who want the best for you.
0: And do you have a preference on like the, the type of things you shoot? I like to call it like the genre of things you shoot live shows versus landscapes versus portraits. Do you have a, a personal preference on which one you like doing more or is it pretty even across the board?
1: Uh, honestly, it's, it's pretty even my top three things to shoot would definitely be, uh, live concerts, uh, landscapes and urban decay. Those are definitely my my top three things. So those landscapes are like my bread and butter. I don't do those too often. Um, but I, you know, I do a print shop, of course, and things like that. And, uh, I think I get the most reception on my landscapes.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, What questions did you have as a freelancer when you were first starting out?
1: Oh, Hmm. trying to dig into the the memory bank. Um, honestly, like one of the biggest things I I would always ask like older shooters was like, how did you get this opportunity? And they would just tell me, you know, look at flyers of, of events you want to shoot, look at the artists and the event companies that are involved in it and just reach out to them. Um, so like, that was one of the questions was like, how, how do I get these opportunities? um you know obviously clothes mouths don't get fed so you you do have to do the outreach and you you do have to be ready to accept no's like they're not interested or it's just not their style um since i do kind of come from like a metal background as well like in terms of music i do have a darker style naturally so um it's not for everyone which is totally fine i do kind of go for the more moody look um but just I just had to be more accepting that my style's not for everyone, which is totally fine. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're creatives, and this is our, our art. It's our crafts. It's, like, what we love to do. So we don't necessarily have to um, bend for those people. But, I mean, if you want what opportunity, it's recommended, of course. Um, so, yeah, just kind of get my foot in the door. Um, what I should be delivering my clients and what time frame. And, like I said, I, I would always just, like, uh, you know, create just insane amount of work. Like I think one of my, I think one of my highest returning shoots I've done was an hour portrait photos. I, I sent them 180 edited images. So it's 180 edited images for 60 minutes, which is pretty good. Um, and then that's also, why I just find my rates too, because you can also tell your clients like, hey, you get this many photos for this much, you can use the photos for this amount of time. Um, so that's like another thing that kind of helps level the client. And I think one of the other questions that I maybe had back then would probably be just equipment wise and just figure out like what's needed for the job, like differences between crop sensors and full frames and mirrorless cameras and what, what works best for low light and uh, like, you know, what lenses are needed for the job, like wide angle lens, fish eyes and things like that that you don't really find in too many other styles of shooting. Like fish eyes are pretty much just limited to like live events and to like skateboarding stuff. So you don't really see too much like actual fisheye stuff like landscapes or, you know, portraits because it does kind of skew and distort the image in a kind of weird way, which can be kind of unflattering for your client. But um, yeah, that would would probably be one of the other questions I had as, as a beginner.
0: And then how did you come up with your username on Instagram? Like where did Spawn Zone come from?
1: So, um, I used to be like a huge, like gamer, like first person shooter. So like a lot of Call of Duty, a lot of Counter-Strike and things like that. So, um, Counter-Strike 1.6 is actually like the first, their, their like development team was actually the first one to utilize the term spawn zone. So like a spawn zone in a video game is where you as a player, like essentially like pop up. So just like little zones where, um, you know, you can start your game. So my I I just needed like an Instagram name at the time, so I was like, what's a good name for like a creation zone or like the opposite of a black hole where like content's just like pumped out? And I was like, I can use like a gaming term like spawn zone. So to me it's like the opposite of black holes. So like when I'm like standing somewhere, it's essentially like a spawn zone for like the images.
0: Nice. So that's kinda like where I, got it from. I love that it's so creative I love hearing about people's usernames because you know and I love doing this podcast because there's there's a person behind those photos and we often forget that so thank you for coming on Project Freelance if people want to reach out to you with questions or if they want to hire you for something uh, where can they find you obviously I'm going to put your link tree down in the description but uh, let people know where they can find you online
1: um, yes yeah, so it's, it's pretty responsive across the board the only thing that I couldn't use a solely for was Twitter so it spawns on, it's on twitter SpawnZone on an ig spawns on, on facebook and then of course my link tree has uh you know all my links to my master classes patreon and my print shop so all
0: right guys well that was Spawnzone. zone i hope you enjoyed listening to his story and i hope that you enjoy project freelance i hope you come back for more i hope you hit that subscribe button so you get notified every time a new episode comes out thank you guys for listening thanks for enjoying season eight with me If you want to come on Project Freelance, please DM me at Project Freelance on Instagram or tweet me at Project Freelance and we'll get you on the show. I would love to do more of these. I would love to have your friends, your colleagues, anybody on this show that's a freelancer. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and feedback, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. It helps the podcast grow. It helps us find other freelancers just like you. And I'll talk to you guys next week for another one. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, go create something.